You're our host, <laughs> Vagina Lady. I know. I'm coming. Hang on. Oh, my God. That did not sound right. All right. <laughs> this. That, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> okay. This Could you imagine is- if that's what she says during <laughs> coitus? Hold on. I'm coming. <laughs> you know, this is all being recorded, right? All of your inappropriateness. Yeah. Ready? Is everybody ready? Okay. This I'm is ready. Slash- ah! <laughs> You're just like the kids. This is what I do all day. It's literally what I do all day. This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Adrian, and with me as always are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Jake and Adam. Boys, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. I'm Jake, and I'm super excited to edit the sound of you throwing a ball at your dog out of the background when I edit this episode. Thank you. It didn't make a noise. I can do it, it again. It sounded like Thor was bludgeoning someone <laughs> to death. It didn't pick up on the audio. That's what you oh, think. I'm looking at it right now. Uh-uh. Do you want to do it again? I'll do it again. I'll fucking edit the sound back in to edit it out if I have to. I will, I will do it again. <laughs> Adam, who are you and why are you here? Uh, I'm Adam, and yeah, it totally picks up on the sound, eh? So, ha <laughs> I hate you both. All right, I'm doing it one more time. And no, you're not. We already recorded this shit. Yeah. No, we can do it again. We did this last week, and I gave you magic, and you had no idea it was even there. See? I, I love how Adrian is so ingratiating after. She's like, Jake... Bless you for all that you've done to edit the show for so long on your own. You're such a good mensch. Thank you. And then she's like, hey, stop Stella, setting it to hard mode. Do you want to fucking tap dance for my friend while I'm making a point? It sounds like Stella is playing the washboard in a tub band. Do do do. Chicka 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 cha. Yeah, she's I like the dog. She's cute. So. Total Muppet. Yeah, there you go. Patreon patron exclusive. They get to see the cute dog. Oh my god, are you really taping this whole thing? That's what I fucking said. What? Look, I have a background for my (laughs) for myself. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was for us. (laughs) Okay, fine. All right. So, what movie are we doing today, gentlemen? This is Adam's idea. Yeah, we're doing Becky. Can I just say something really quick? I might refer to this movie as something other than Becky. I might refer to it as Green Alone or Homeroom, because this movie in my brain is Home Alone and Green Room combined. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a lot of amalgamations in this. Like, I think Kevin James is totally like King Hippo fucked a proud boy, you know? Hmm. I dig um, that. I, I, don't, I don't know. I read a review uh, earlier today, and it was funny because it's exactly what I was thinking, but I didn't know how to explain it. And the guy had said, the longer Kevin James talks in this movie, the less menacing he he is. A hundred percent. He completely becomes the king of queens by the end. He's like, oh, come on. Me, me, me. He gets so soft every line he delivers. I mean, it's like if you chose to just not say this part of a line, you may have done your role a better service. Like, I get you're supposed to be like the calculating guy. Like, down to the hour, I knew exactly how much time I prepared. What's more intimidating? You looking at the dude who used to be a pro wrestler who towers over you and being able to control him with your mind and not say a word. Adrian, I I am pointing at you because I know you know this because you just cited the fact that you're Hispanic as an excuse for being late today. (laughs) You know the look, the chunkla look where it's like your mom could 
go into an elaborate diatribe and belabor the point or she can look at you, then look at her toe, then look back at you and you got the point. That would be so much more powerful. So I think that Kevin James should have maybe avoided white supremacy and embraced brown supremacy. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I just, I don't know. But the swastika, like, I, I, I don't know. That was too much. But just imagine if instead of a Nazi key thing, he was looking for a chunkla. That was his whole movie was him being like, he wants the looking golden chunkla. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Why don't we uh, why don't we recap this one? Or we could do the stab statistics. Well, that's cool. That sounds good yeah, to me. Let's do it. To be fair with this movie, this was only streamed, right? It didn't come out at any theaters, I don't think, at this time. It didn't Correct. get a chance to. I believe it was going to it was gonna hit festivals, but then pandemic hit. This was this was definitely a sleeper film for 2020. Okay. So um budget at 1.1 million. I thought it would be more. Only because we have, well, we have Kevin James, and then we have uh, the wrestler guy. Yeah, he's cheap. So he's cheap? Okay. Well, I always remember him from Sherlock Holmes. And then we have Joel McHale. Is he cheap? I guess he's cheap. The talk soup guy, yeah. You have to remember, yes, he's community, (laughs) but community only became popular years after the show was canceled. Mm -hmm. Well, they did have him host the whole uh, Tiger King special on Netflix afterwards. Oh, my God, that was so, so bad. I like Joel McHale a lot, though. I think I have. It's because we have the same hairline. It's probably why. Oh well, okay. I feel this was definitely a passion project for a lot of them. I mean, especially Kevin James. I feel like he just probably signed on to this for like next to nothing, just to do the role because he's always just Adam Sandler's nice guy, fat friend in everything. And I feel this was a nice chance for him to like go from Paul Blart Mall Cop to like. Paul Blart, Mall Gestapo. (laughs) (laughs) Mall KGB slaps microphone. Well, you guys, go ahead. No, after you. Oh, no, I just saw This is the great part for the Patreon patrons. They get to see us do the chipmunk thing where it's like, no, after you, Terrence. No, no, it's after you that we get edited out of every episode. You just see like how what everyone does while we're actually doing the episode because I'm just wrestling with Stella the entire time. And Um, I'm eating... Goji berries. Oh, 100% <laughs> all awkward access. <laughs> um, but no, they, is this true? I only looked in one place and saw it in one spot where that Simon Pegg was supposed to play yes. this role. And oh I, ha- I shouldn't have read that because I thought Simon Pegg would do a much better job with this. And it's yes! no affront to Kevin James. I had just watched Kevin James do a hot ones and I thought he was charming. I remember his sweats, the stall stuff. Every time he does like the pinch and roll in the pocket, I think of, I think of the guy. But the, the analytical, small, cranky white guy makes so much more sense as Simon Pegg. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like he would have done too well with the role and it would have stained his resume. That's why I feel he could have turned it down. I could definitely see that. I honestly, when you you become too much of the neo-Nazi guy. <laughs> I feel he's got that intensity in there, you know, and it's it's another thing like comedians really make the leap to horror surprisingly well. So I think he he probably would have brought some terrifying shit to it. Have you ever seen the movie Harry Brown? It's Michael Caine. It's kind of like a Gran Torino type thing, but he's actually kind of a badass. I know the film. I haven't seen it, though. It's good. Mm. So there's a, an actor in that, Sean Harris, who you've seen in a bunch of shit. He's been in like Mission Impossible movies and stuff. But 
he, in that movie, he depicts like the scummy drug lord so well that he could literally be Mother Teresa in a movie. And I would feel like I needed to use Purell on my eyeballs. So that's the thing. I think it's very much like what Simon Pegg would pull off. Where I'm like, oh, you are now Nazi. Yeah. And that that stain stays with people sometimes. It's just that one performance that you don't want defining you, I'd say. Yeah. You never go full fascist. Exactly. As they said in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> that was the first movie I ever saw alone in theaters, and I still don't like it because it was super awkward. Laughing alone doesn't work. The film has its charm, though. Has its charm. Mm. It, 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 as a fan of Chris Farley, that movie's <laughs> really offensive to me. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it's it. It's bad. Oh, and it's too long. Oh, my God. I think I fell asleep and woke back up at the end. It was still on. Like, never ended. The one thing, though, it's a hell of a discussion. Oh, okay. What? Robert Downey in blackface. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the discussion. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And then he became Iron Man, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Like, I how know. do you fucking fail upwards? So, any race but a white guy couldn't pull that off in America, right? Where you fail upwards so tremendously where it's like drugs, prison, being in that movie, and somehow still makes enough money to like lose a billion dollars with Dr. Doolittle and be fine. Yeah. He even got fired from Ally McBeal. Nobody seems to remember that. Ooka chaka ooka. I know. Such a good I show. I can't stop this feeling. <laughs> that was for the patrons. That was a beautiful dance, Adam. Thank you. I got moves. I really, I think that we could talk about Ally McBeal on this show and it would be horror because do you know of any other shows that star a skeleton? Oh my god! <laughs> she didn't look, look like that at the beginning. I don't know what happened. Bro, to her. Harrison Ford do that to her? Her fucking bones are trying to escape from her goddamn face, like the prisoners in this movie. <laughs> okay, well, now that you've talked about the movie again, let's go back. Um, <laughs> so it came out on June fifth, twenty twenty. King of Stanton Island, Artemis Fowl. If I have to see one more fucking commercial of that clip of Josh Gad being like Artemis fell. And I'm like, dude, you're making artificial phlegm. Fuck off, Olaf. I don't got time for it. Uh, <sighs> you should have left, which Adrian, you should like. It's got Kevin Bacon and yeah. Stardog and Turbo Cat. Ooh. I mean, some stiff competition. Now, is Stardog and Turbo Cat like a single feature or was that two different films? It is a single feature with Ooh. two potentially standalone stars. And that's that is star power. I want to see that cinematic universe. Absolutely. And now that I'm Googling it, let's see how it did by comparison. It made five hundred eighty five thousand dollars at the box office. And oh, there are actually people in this I like Luke Evans, Nick Frost. I guess they had no choice because they were already in quarantine. So like, well, I might as well just talk into my phone and email it to somebody. Bill Nighy. Wow. The science guy. He. Right. <laughs> That's the same guy. That's impressive. Actually, we literally might watch this, though. I, I mean, back to the whole Simon Pegg connection. You got two stars of uh, Shaun of the Dead right there. Mm. Wow. This is all making too much sense. It's a cinematic universe. Home. Becky and Stardog and Turbo Cat are a shared universe. We broke it here, folks. You're welcome. <laughs> well, it's 93 minutes, right? So what do we think? Is it too long? I think it plays out remarkably fast. <laughs> Says the guy who recommended the fucking movie. This movie is an hour or too long. Uh, 
Yeah, it was a little long. Actually, I admit I didn't pay attention to a lot of the beginning because I think I was doing notes for another episode we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then when I saw the dogs, I was texting Adam because I'm like, if this dog, one of these dogs fucking dies, I'm going to lose my shit. And then Adam's like, yeah, one. that happened. Just one. Was that a separate sp- chat from our all chat? No, it was probably the same. You pick and choose what you want to read. It has I to do. be. Well, there's a three hour time gap. So sometimes when I'm actually sleeping, you guys are talking. One of the worst things that's ever happened in my marriage is because of you guys. Because I was I left my phone and I went and attended to the baby. So I'm trying to be a mensch and leave my wife so she could sleep. I come back to the room. Your phone has not stopped going off since you left. So you motherfuckers kept me from getting laid because she was too cranky and tired. It's okay. It's okay. I give I give hand release. It'll be fine. Well, you know what? To be honest, was it really going to happen even no. if we didn't ruin it for you? Come so, on. Come on. These kids are <laughs> draining her life force. The Even the remote possibility of having another one. She's... Mm-mm. You guys are already at that talk? Wow. That's that's terrifying. I've been trying to get a vasectomy actively just since get, quarantine. Just get the whole These thing These motherfuckers off. won't let me do it. They're like, you need to have a counseling class. And you need to talk about your feelings. Make sure. I'm like, I have two kids. It's done. Just let yeah, me cut my balls off. Can't you get that reverse? Like, can't you get a reverse? So what is this? Yes, you can. Yeah. So whatever. Maybe one day you just untie it, whatever it does. And yeah. Or you get like a cybernetic vas deferens. It'd be oh, amazing. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. With Robocock. Like, yeah. Hydraulics and shit. <laughs> okay. So um, 93 minutes. Yeah. I don't know. We're all at an, well, I guess not at an impasse. Adam thinks it's fine. I thought it was a little long. Jake it, thinks everything is long. So it plays faster than teeth. It plays worlds yes. faster than oh. teeth. Oh, everything for sure. Plays faster than teeth. That's oh a God. valid point. <laughs> ben Hur plays faster than teeth. <laughs> my only problem is it's the redundancy of like, I go somewhere, I come back. I go there, I come back. I go this way, I come back. And that even happens, like, I'll, I'll admit, Predator kind of has the same kind of feel as this, where it's like, it just kind of all looks the same, it kind of all feels the same. And really where my fatigue set in was right at the end, like the whole car thing, I was like, okay, fucking just, I don't care. I really don't. Luckily, it has a great punch to it, because by that point, I was checked out. So we'll talk about that. But I, that's the the big sizzle is very redemptive but as you're sitting there it's not fun throughout yeah the first half of the movie is very much cat and mouse recon for intel for both sides of the of the protagonist and antagonist you're kind of establishing little bits of character build up what do you want to say why would i watch cat and mouse when i can watch star dog and turbo cat (laughs) (laughs) or eurovision (laughs) I mean, did Star Dog or Turbo Cat put a ruler through a guy's neck? Uh, that remains to be seen. I will mm. report back. It's possible. I'm expecting that now. I want it. the aforementioned Doctor Doolittle, if I'm not mistaken, features a dragon that shits out a bagpipe. So, oh, you saw the new one? No, I, I listened to a review. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just needed to know how bad it was because I heard, like, you know, I even have a green screen here in my garage studio as evidence <laughs> behind me, and. The people doing the Dr. Doolittle movie 
just like didn't put markers and stuff to identify where the animals would be and everything. So it just seemed fucking cursed. Ooh. So now what specifically slogged this down for you guys? I know you said it's, oh, it's there and back and there and back. But uh, I mean, was there anything really specific that you would have cut out? I feel like they just kept going back and forth with her mom. And then at the beginning, she was a little bitch at the beginning. Like she's one of my students that pain in my ass all day long. Like I, I didn't really have much, I guess, empathy for her until her father died. I felt like once her father got shot, that's when everything picked up. I don't know. See, that's what I've heard from a number of people who have seen this. It's like, Oh, she's such a little bitch. It's like her mom died of cancer. I mean, I'd be, well, not me particularly, but I know a lot of people would be fucked up by that for a good amount of time. You'll see what I wrote about her at the end and what makes her femme fatale, because mm. I feel even if her mom didn't die, I feel like this is just her personality. Like, this is my theory. This is who she is, regardless. Oh, That's- I feel we're going to have a good time with that part of the conversation when we get to it. I, I support that. OK, uh, director. I didn't look up the, what the directors did before this. I'll take over. Cooties, motherfucker. Did you see Cooties? Mm -hmm. Because the whole time I watched this movie, I was thinking how I'd rather be watching Cooties. (laughs) Which also feels a little long. Yeah, Cooties Cooties feels a lot longer than this to me. Like, I I have watched this. I mean, shit, I watched this three times just to be super fresh on it for the episode. I I saw Cooties once. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I, I feel it... That one felt like it trudged on a lot longer to me. That just me personally. But at least it has different set pieces and stuff. So when you're going somewhere, it doesn't feel as redundant. Yeah, there you know? are a number of locations and I mean, different character arcs going on. It's it's a more diverse cast as well. I mean, there's much more people in it. I mean, this is what four, five, six, eight people and two dogs. And one of the things that frustrates me about this movie is a lack of ambiance, right? Like, yeah, we're in the woods. Yeah, it's nighttime or whatever. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, you know, for instance, the Friday the 13th series can feel very claustrophobic, even though you're outdoors. Right. And that's one of the things where trudging the line of like being a thriller, being action, being horror can kind of get mucky. You kind of just wish they would stay in one lane a little bit better because like having the dynamic motion of her running very like Rambo, for instance. Right. And so having that withdrawn camera angle makes her seem faster and more agile and more desperate. And I get that. And then you go to another scene that doesn't have that. It just the the forest stuff. I think that a better director of photography might have done a huge benefit to that missed opportunity. I, I completely see what you're saying. I was remarking at how I really liked a lot of the shots in this film, but I hundred percent back up what you're saying. Like they didn't use the time of day for just more effective storytelling. And it's also it's like a nice shot. But then when you juxtapose it with other shots, it's not like a dynamic shift, you know? You know, we mm-hmm. talk about we all like AFI, right? Yep. And you listen to Sing Star and it's like bah, 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 zoom. And in this movie, it's just like, here's this and there's that, and this is this, and that dis it felt disjointed rather than thematic. <clears throat> yeah. And that's how Jake killed the conversation. Yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking <laughs> I I did like it. I don't want to say I don't like this movie because it sounds like I I didn't like it. I do like this movie. I do like what she ends up doing to these people. There's a lot of tension, especially when they're in the house with parents and, you know, the shoot the stepmom. I just felt like it was too gloomy. I don't know. There was just something very mean spirited by the ending. Like I thought at least, okay, maybe one parent survives, right? Like maybe by the grace of God, 
they go and see him and then, you know, he has a pulse or something. I don't know. I feel like killing the father and the dog and then her mom's dead and just, and then do we ever find out what's with the key? What's going on with the key? No, it becomes her necklace. Yeah. It's kind of just the thing. The movie doesn't give you all that much as far as detail and backstory to what goes on with that. But I don't think that it needs it. It's just this MacGuffin. It knows that it's a MacGuffin. It says it's, it's Pulp be- Fiction. I mean, it, really, it really is. It's the briefcase. I mean, this movie from start to finish, like, yeah, it's Home Alone meets Green Room. There are these group of white supremacists that are after this key that is apparently hidden in this lake house that Becky's family owns. Mm-hmm. Her and her father head up there with father's new love interest and the dogs and uh, the love interest son. And they just go up there and. There's not much to really lighting the fuse and having a slow burn. It kind of just starts. And I want to say it works in a weird way that there is no real backstory and buildup. It's kind of just an event that's happening and you're just thrust into it. Okay. Besides cooties, nothing else. Sorry. <laughs> they did another movie with, called Bushwick with Batista. Okay. Hmm. But they had wrote and directed those. This one they just directed. And this was actually written by Ruckus Sky and his wife, Lane Sky. And they had done. The Devil to Pay, The Seven Sevens, and Rattle the Cage uh, together. And then it was, there was, looks like there were rewrites by Nick Morris. And so, you know, kind of, I wasn't trying to just stonewall you there, Adam. I'm just, I'm thinking as you're talking, as far as I think that a lot of the frustration here is the structure when it comes to the, like, so you have, you know, Home Alone, you got two guys, boom. And this one, you have more guys. Cool. But you start off with a guy who's a little bit more menacing, go to a buffoon, go to the most menacing. He becomes the least menacing. Then you go to Kevin James, who's a teddy bear with swastikas. So it was just a little bit odd in terms of like the feeling of the imposing threat when she becomes, she starts off as Wolverine and then becomes. So it's just, it's a little odd. It's not that it's bad. It's just like different, you know, where you'd expect her to ramp up, but her first kill is her best kill. Like it's even cooler than the last one because she's just fucking ape shit. Have you seen uh, I Kill Giants? I have not seen that yet, but it is um it's on my watch list. That's uh I think I added that last week, but yeah, that one looks great. I saw about that uh, about the same time I heard about Becky. Uh that's definitely one I still want to check out. So it's not a good movie for the sense of like it doesn't make you feel good. It is a an emotionally painful movie to watch. But it's very cool the way you find out that what's happening is the cathartic and therapeutic and it's processing and it's a means of conquering themes of grief and sorrow and isolation. And so when she puts on the fox hat, even though she's a chipmunk, <laughs> inconsistent uh, prop department fucked that up. But when she does that, it reminds me so much of the girl in I Kill Giants because she has the same kind of hat on. And I was like, oh, so I had that kind of internal comparison as well. So I think that maybe I was a little overly severe in the fact she doesn't have an arc. She doesn't change. She doesn't develop. She doesn't atone. Like, you know what I mean? I get exactly what you're saying. And I'll tell you how this movie would work almost as part of something else. It's like if they cut this down to like a half hour, kind of like a a Kung Fury kind of length of a movie. And like, yes, I'm into that. And what you do this is like, uh, did you see Guns Akimbo with uh, yeah. uh, Daniel Radcliffe? Ah, my director is racist. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, imagine if you made this like Samara Weaving's backstory, her character's backstory. 
That would yeah. have done it so much better because that character, Samira Weaving's character, deserved a better shot in that film. I felt I love and her. I I love her so much. She is my number one favorite horror scream queen of this generation. Ready or um, not, Bill and Tit, dude, she's fantastic she in everything. In. Both of them, yeah. Like seeing Becky as just the origin flashback, quick cut prequel. I think, yeah. Like this. I, I would love to see where the character progresses to, but this, yeah, definitely works better as it would have been a short film origin story. It would have been so much better because this reminds like, why do I need two directors for this? Like when you have the the Russo brothers, for instance, it is very clear there is so much going on. You cannot fathomably do that with one person behind the chair. And mm-hmm. here it's like, OK, well, we don't have like the acting. We don't really have the the action set pieces and stuff. So it just feels like it's a little hollow, but I do like it, if that's fair. Like, it's not that it's completely bereft of any kind of substance. It just it could have been. And that's one of the things that's frustrating is when you have homages to better movies, you are left with what's not. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree on that. Yeah, because there's not a bad acting role in this. I mean, there's just a couple small parts. I mean, just these white supremacist buffoons do what they're supposed to. I mean, there's nothing to be mad at, but there's definitely a wanting of what could have been. What what upsets me about them being buffoons is the fact that I feel it makes the movie more believable that a child could murder these grown men because they're such idiots, right? Why do they have to be portrayed as fools for Becky to do what she is doing because Mm -hmm. I just was annoyed the fact that they had to uh, sort of make sure that the guys that she's murdering are stupid because otherwise how would a child or girl for that matter be able to do these things? Nobody questions Kevin McAllister, right? It's true. Why? Because he's a boy well, we talked about this in earlier movies where it always has to be like the guy is drugged or kylo ren had to be shot in the tummy it couldn't just be that kylo ren got beat up by a girl to be fair though to be fair these guys like especially the two in the woods that she killed the guy with the ruler and then the guy that she hit with the boat they were idiots they it, like it, and they that is a white supremacist to me. You see these these <laughs> hick boy white supremacists. That kind of just felt accurate. I know exactly what you're saying. I respect that point, but these guys, it kind of just actually felt realistic in the just their characters. Yeah, but I mean, they're kind of like Harry and Marv, and then you go to like what's supposed to be like a like looming threat, and it's the King of Queens. Yeah, like the big bad isn't that bad, and then you establish his muscle as a tender, loving sweetiekins. Yeah, no, uh, I'm just talking about at least the two in the woods that she took out, like the guy with the the, the ruler through the neck and the guy with the boat. I, I I felt their idiocy was pretty on point, but the other ones, yeah, Kevin James and then Big Softy Apex, they could have been portrayed darker, but the other ones I felt were on point. That's what I'm kind of saying. Well, for sure. And obviously we need people that are expendable that she has to take out quickly. I just feel that they were both so similar. You really only needed one person to play that role instead of having two. And then, oh, I got to go look for my friend. I got to go find my friend. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, and then he didn't like dogs. Like, who doesn't fucking like dogs? I don't. I, uh, Not sorry. never trust that guy. I gotta get <laughs> off of that. <laughs> Let's move on, and we'll touch on these guys in the actual narrative of the movie. So we have the characters 
Lulu Wilson as Becky Hooper. What do we think of Lulu? I think she's... Is she a uh, lemon? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I fight for Lulu. Wearing my comfy pants. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I think she is what makes this movie. Like, why I enjoyed this movie. She makes so... Everything she's in, more successful, I feel like. She was in the Annabelle creation, which is like the spinoff of a sequel of a prequel of a sequel. And she, she was great in that. She was in Ouija. She was in Deliver Us from Evil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And those, again, just spinoff sequels that had no right being any good. And she made them extremely watchable. I saw both those in the theaters. I literally went because I was bored and just wanted to go to the theater. I wasn't expecting shit from those titles. And uh, she really brought it. And I mean, she was in Haunting of Hill House. And I, I think she's got a bright future ahead of her. I think she is very much a young Jodie Foster-esque kind of actress, I want to say. Those are some big shoes to fill. And I'm filling them with Lulu. Um <laughs> I think she's a different category. I mean, she looks like Jodie Foster, but then she like goes all Hugh Jackman and shit. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things like Jodie is always kind of like panic room and stuff. She's like, oh, oh trepidatious. And she's clearly she's you know, obviously she's there so that you impress those feelings upon yourself as the viewer and you're worried and you're anxious and you're nervous. Whereas she's just like, I'm relatively in control and I'm five. Well, I see what you're saying. If you guys have seen the little girl who lives down the street, has anyone seen that with Jodie Foster? Oh, it's well, been she was a while. Like, she was like 14, and Martin Sheen is the oh my god, this movie is so fucked up. Like she's practically naked, and she's like a child in that movie. So I won't be seeing that. Yeah, yeah. She basically li- it's on Hulu right now, but she lives alone, so to speak. Like her father's is there. Everyone comes to visit her and she always says her father's busy, but really she lives by herself. And Martin Sheen's this pervert that tries to to like get her. This before Taxi Driver? I can't remember. It's yeah. it's early 70s. Uh, it's so creepy. I have Martin seen Sheen's it. character is so creepy in that movie. She does great, but as a little girl, she's pretty she is she's very much like Becky in this film. So I I can see you I could see that from that, definitely. But it's just very awkward to watch her as a child play these things. And I don't know, was that before? It's probably around the same time as Taxi Driver, because I want to say she's like the same age in both movies. She had a couple, like, I feel really controversial roles like that around the same time. So, yeah, probably right around that Taxi Driver time. So it's good that she went with a conventional movie about the transvestite murdering everybody. It's a good idea. (laughs) Do we establish if... Buffalo Bill's transgendered or not? I don't. I realize that I probably said the wrong term, but no, Hannibal in his not. analysis is like, is he really? So I feel like I get a partial pass. He's not transgender though. He's he he uses that as an emotional outlet. So he's like a cross dresser, but he's yeah. not transgender. He wants to be, but he does he really? And again, quoting Hannibal. Okay, so <laughs> going back <laughs> to yeah. the cast. Kevin James. I love him. And, you know, I think he's so handsome for like a bigger guy. Like he's so cute. He's like a big teddy bear. And that's probably the biggest thing that deterred me from watching this because I don't want to see him as a Nazi. I don't want to see him play these roles. Even with a swastika on his head. 
I couldn't see him as a Nazi. But that's the that's thing. That's the problem. He's never really dipped his toe into this. And I feel the potential is there. I feel he's got it in him if he worked on it more. And like, I feel it could be there. Like there were there were touches to it. But yeah, the problem is the voice. He still sounds like he's on Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he did like a Minnesota accent, I would be like, OK, this isn't the King of Queens. <laughs> Or just even if he, he talked less and he was more of a physical presence, I think would have made growling. it better. He should have been growling a little bit more. Yeah, a little, uh, a little grunty. Think of Atticus Finch, right? And th- obviously this isn't like Atticus was scary, but does Atticus ever, would he raise his voice? Or is he the kind of guy who'd almost bring it down so you had no choice but to listen to him? That, That's the scary guy. That, exactly. Bring it down to a smoldering intensity. You, yeah, in just subtle bits of physical imposingness, like uh, say uh, Bane in the Dark Knight Rises with Ben Mendelsohn, where you just he puts his hand on his shoulder, kind of thing. He's like, uh, "Do you feel in charge?" I think his role would have done tremendously better with some touches like that. That's literally the only part of that movie I like. Mm. Well, then we have uh, the our wrestler. Is it Robert? I don't know how to say his last name. And oh, I yay. don't watch wrestling. Oh, yay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah he, I remembered him from, I didn't know he was a wrestler, but I did remember him from Sherlock Holmes. Speaking of Robert Downey Jr., oh my God. Oh. <laughs> it's all coming together. He also wrestled as the Cajun Giant, which sounds um, like a type of hot sauce. Mm. Crawfish. Does he, have like, does he have like something with his pituitary gland? Are we going to like, do we know anything about him? Because he's just very strangely large, like all around. And when he threw her on the floor, like I felt it, like in my chest, I felt that the choke slam. Like, I was like, "God damn yeah. it!" <laughs> Why every pro wrestler got to do the, the basic move? Like if it, if you're a female wrestler and you're in fucking anything, you guaranteed do a hurricane rana every time. And the big guy always has to do a choke slam. What about this? What if she tries to do a hurricane rana? He turns it into a power bomb. Mm, that's more entertaining. <laughs> That's fine. I've choked slam people in real life. It's pretty it's pretty cathartic, I will say. He shouldn't have been thinking about them kids. He should have been like thinking about, yeah, I am cool. <laughs> All that bench pressing was totally worth it in the prison yard. <laughs> Killing those kids really just put that extra oomph into that bicep pump. Yeah. So you know when you so get a pump going before you go on a date, you get the elastic bands. You go, hoo, hoo. That's what killing the kids was. So yeah. he should just like choke slam him. Like, oh, what's this? Yeah, you're not gonna get that vascularity from a solo flex, man. You, you only get that from choke slamming some elementary school kids. See that vein? Okay. <laughs> All right. So he did kill them. I like. I didn't show it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, but I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> so, why would he be so funny. haunted if he was like, okay, and then I just sent the kids down the road? Yeah, the whole movie, oh. he's like, no more kids, man. No more kids. Oh, yeah, he does say that. Okay, yeah. Well, that wasn't necessary. I get why they did that so that he would come back for her. I guess that's why they did that, right? They show that little scene so that we know why he went back for her at the Okay, whatever. Ignore me. So what was he fucking doing? Just walking around the woods with his hands in his pockets like a sad Charlie Brown contemplating life? <laughs> Serious. I, I, I guess saying sad Charlie Brown is redundant, right? I guess a sadder Charlie Brown, but whatever. Ugh. Yeah, like he didn't need to come back. She didn't need him to save her. I think exactly. she could have figured it out. No, and yeah. like 
the one thing that I get from a lot of people that watch this, it's like, oh, man, she really didn't have to do that to the guy in the end. I was like, yeah, she fucking did, dude. He like fucking strangled, strangled two kids off screen, mind you. But in the, in the beginning of the movie, he's still a fucking child killer. He still fucking choke slammed her, punched yeah. her dog in the face, man. I just like the fact that it, ha- it was it was a cute little button. I thought that was fun. <laughs> what would really make me happy is they didn't do the scene in the police station afterwards. That's the end of the movie. Though, though yeah. bam. It, that would have been great. That would have been great, though. I do appreciate the Canadian quarter reference, like <laughs> calling back to what she did. She threw that. That was good. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I like that callback. Also, yeah. uh, I will mention that Robert Meyer was in Lex with our friend Eva Haberman from Sis. If you haven't seen Sis, you should see Sis. And then you should go back and listen to Sismas because those numbers fucking sucked. Awkward. Hey. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I left those. Oh, they were fun. He was also in 300, which means you get to see him in a loincloth. So if you want more, there you go. Yeah, I can't he, remember who he was. I saw that he was in that, but who was? He's just, just a big naked man. Wait, uh, was he a Spartan? No, he was, he, he was one of the giant <laughs> immortal guys, right? Like, did he have yeah. a lot of prosthetics on? I don't know. I know he was a giant mongoloid of a man. Was he a it. Persian or was he a Spartan? That's all I want. I know. don't think he was a Spartan. So then there was Ryan McDonald at his coal. He was in Halloween Resurrection, the exorcism of Emily Rose, and like every good Canadian boy, was in episodes of Supernatural, which every Canadian apparently is. Then you have Amanda Bruegel as Kayla. You might recall that she was in Jason X, and that movie is fucking great. That's the official policy of this podcast is Jason X is great. It is. She was also in Orphan Black, that thing that we talked about a week ago or whatever that we didn't ever see. Handmaid's Tale and Suicide Squad, the old one that was fucking terrible, not the new one that has potential. Oh, yeah. This new one's going to be great. I got a feeling. Don't don't say that. Don't say that. Be a cynic. Make fun of the trailers when they come out so that if they are good, you get to be like, okay, this is fun. But if it's bad, you're like, I fucking told you. But but I don't want to be that. I want I want to have hope. I want the S on my chest. Yeah. (laughs) On my planet, this me. Adam doesn't poo-poo on things like someone else we know. Just to poo-poo Wouldn't on it be them. awful if the Kryptonian symbol for hope was like a swastika and he comes here and he's like, hey guys, why are you so upset? It means hope. And they're like, um, actually, here. Yeah, but. Hi, guys. Swastika. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon but, exclusive humor from Adam. You're welcome. No, swastika is a symbol for peace in India. Like, if you've ever seen Indian wedding invitations, they have swastikas all over them. Like, swastika does the not mean dots the same help thing. Them. Yeah, it's it's the bit around it and stuff. <sighs> yeah. yeah, but it's still a fucking swastika. <laughs> I used to have a piercing guy who worked at one of the tattoo shops I'd go to who would wear the swastika earrings. Uh, well, actually, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nobody gives a fuck. Because half the people who see you are just going to avoid you because of tattoos and piercings. The other quarter is going to see the swastikas and avoid you. And the quarter who are listening, uh. Yeah. There's not oh, enough yeah. people to care, bro. You're not that edgy. You're not that cool. You're certainly not going to get on a pulpit and then change the world's perception of this symbol. It's gone now. <laughs> uh, and then finally, James McDougal is Hammond, the one guy who I didn't look up anything on because um, I don't really care. He was the one that couldn't swim so well, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is so stupid. I hate that when people say, oh, I can't swim. Who the 
Like, that's so unrealistic. Like, he's in four foot of water. What do you mean you can't swim? Like, not everyone lives in Florida by the water, eh? Okay, not everyone can swim. Well, then I should know what the water is because, like, he's right there next to the dock. Like, I can see if they're, like, out in the middle of the lake and he fell out of the boat, but he's right fucking there. Like, get up. No. Like I said, he's a white supremacist. He's a fucking idiot. He also had nail holes in his fucking head. And so his ass. He probably should have just been like. I got lake water in my head holes. Uh, uh. Yeah, it was the amoebas that killed him. (laughs) The part of of my brain that controls swimming doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, right. I can't swim. And then he's asking her for help. Oh my god! I smell pennies. (laughs) My medulla oblong backstroke is gone. There must be something wrong with that. Would be a much. Imagine Adam Sandler, Kevin James, it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's get into the narrative. A teenager's weekend at a lake house with her father takes a turn for the worse when a group of convicts wreaks havoc on their lives. So, basically, in a nutshell, Kevin James gets his eyeball taken out, which is probably the juiciest thing in the whole movie. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> at the start, you had the two things that I liked a lot. You had the interplay between them coming and getting to the house and the prisoners and stuff where it was showing, you know, a plot B plot. And if you've ever read the red wall series, I love that. I'm always a sucker for this is what the good guy's doing. This is what the bad guy's doing. Cause it builds that tension so nicely before you get to, and here's what happens when they're together. I've always loved that kind of angle. And then they also do a good job of the interplay between her on the walkie talkie and him where it's cutting one cutting. And so the, the good play, uh, were you a little frustrated that the rest of the movie didn't kind of have those elements? I don't know. I was. I. I think I was getting. Did you just hear a ghost? Yeah, that was a ghost of a. That was me. Did you hear that a? Did I hear an a? What? Yeah, it was. You it was your voice talk- playing back from like three minutes ago. Oh God, are we haunted? Oh, I'm gonna be in your dreams. I'm so excited. Ada, <laughs> <laughs> I need you to take a nail and point it at your hand so we know that you're corporeal. I'm here, okay. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I have to leave that in for the corporeal reference. Oh How God. often do I get to use that ten penny word? I mean, we may have just caught white noise and spirit voices. Yes. Here, Dude, so yeah. you're an EVP now. Oh my God. Are you sure it was me? Maybe it was. Maybe it really was. Well, it doesn't matter. She's going to go off and marry Zach Begals. Uh, okay, but well, I don't even know what I was saying now. I had asked if you guys didn't like that. Like, there's a lack of that kind yeah. of editing or structure throughout the rest of the movie was a little frustrating. I there thought. is, especially they keep snipping to other things, especially when she's thinking about her mom. She's singing that little song the whole time. Like, do we need this? Nothing really kind of flowed because I just wanted to kind of see what the fuck happened. I feel like if we didn't stop for her to reflect so often, like she can reflect, but I feel that she should have been reflecting on her dead father because she just watched him die. And I don't think she reflected on him enough, but I I could be wrong because I only watched it once. And like I said, it was up and down. But So I don't know if it flowed well for me. I just liked... I liked what she was doing, and I, I really liked her little hat because she reminded me of Louise Belcher. <laughs> and so I just kept thinking, yeah. oh, my God, Louise would so do this. So I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. It's a good way of making her infantile. Yeah. And like she's, you know, it's a comfort, you know, it's her security blanket or whatever. 
But one of the things that frustrated me is the beginning, the way that it's structured and edited, it's a heist movie. It's Ocean's Eleven when you think about it. If you change the music, the way it's like cutting and this and that, and then the rest of the movie is just not. And I think that the redundancy of some of the set pieces would have been relieved if we're doing a really cool transposition of here's what's happening to Kayla. Here's what's happening with Ty the little boy. And then going, because it's just basically, you know, I get that they're still trying to do an A plot and a B plot, but it didn't. That was something I think would really have helped this movie thematically. I think the proximity, like we were saying before, just the amount or the number of locations and how close they were to each other. Like, in a sense, yeah, that worked like the the cat and mouse or uh, like they showed the spider in the web after she killed that guy with the ruler. I thought that was a nice little bit of symbolism. But, yeah, I think that kind of slowed it down just because they didn't really have the chance to go back and forth like they were in the beginning. If it kept at that pace where it was going back and forth up until like it really hit to where like kills were happening and shit was hitting the fan, I think that would have been better. But yeah, that's definitely where it does slow down. You're very right with that. Well, it's actually a really good point, too, because I wonder if it's meant to be that after that first kill, it's a different movie. You know, like life is beautiful. You have the beginning of the movie is a romantic comedy. The second half of the movie is not. And I don't think this is a severe enough as divide to be like that kind of contrast. See, and to bring that back to like the uh, when does she become femme fatale kind of thing with this, I'm kind of drawing the line between when she calls Kevin James on the walkie talkie after that first kill and says the poem. Uh, There was a little girl with a little girl. But then after she runs into Apex, when after he punches the dog and he's like, you know what? I'm extending a hand. I want to be done with this and just go our separate ways. Right there when she doesn't take his hand and then pulls on that hood again, I think that's when she goes full transformation. Okay. So you're pinpointing when you think that she's transformed. See, I I disagree because I don't think she has a transformation. I just think this is who she is. I don't think at all that she... But I think that she had some triggers. Like, her, her first trigger was her mother. Her second trigger is her father. And she already has, and I don't want to even say that her second trigger was her father. I would say that her being bullied at school and the father remarrying and then the dog and then the father kind of drove, maybe kind of pushed her over the ledge. But it just, when Apex has that conversation with her about you have a choice, she, he knew he can see in her what, what's in him too. And so she is very different from all the other femme fatales that we've, we've discussed. And, and we'll talk about that. You're very right. The whole thing with uh, what you were saying about uh, getting beat up at school and stuff, I thought was a very interesting point. And just if you look at her while it's happening, she's just like over it. She's already evolved past this. She knows that elementary school and middle school is just going through the motions. She's already got bigger fish to fry in her head. And yeah, I, I think she very much has always been the seed of a femme fatale but it's like i feel that point when she pulled that hood on that time before she goes to get kevin james that was the the sleeper cell activating and just like full operational you know yeah i well i understand that you're saying like you know this is where she really comes into herself but nothing's happened to her specifically the way things happen to uh julie or ginger right I think that Becky is probably going to be a little psycho when she's older, despite any of these things happening. This is just who she is. 
that's why I said this was the only one we were doing that wasn't sexually charged. It's like Becky had her own motives. I feel that was one thing that set her apart. Oh, yeah, not even. Well, she's not directively victimized at all. Exactly. All of the trauma that she's dealing with, aside from being bullied at school, is, is external. something that happened to other people. So arguably, it's her level of empathy and her ability to feel for others, which is how she has this, versus everybody else is just dragged through the mud. And there's a gauntlet between all these women comparatively. I really wish you guys had seen the Ranger on Shudder. It's not very good, but the comparison between the lead in that and the lead in this, I think, would be a really great juxtaposition. So uh, if you would like that, make sure to let us know at slashespot at gmail.com. We can make these goons watch that movie. Bada bing boom bow. Well, I wanted to watch that movie, but there's a reason I don't, because I guess the director, writer, creator flipped out about one of the writers from Bloody Disgusting giving that movie a bad review, and they like totally went crazy on this writer because you know this is my film i worked so hard on this i did this like total like bitch fest and like now i don't want to watch your movie because you're just being a little bitch like not everyone's gonna like it you know that's kind of what like the fuck? jen wexler <laughs> yeah they freaked out on trace thurman of bloody disgusting they also do the horror queers podcast so when they did the episode on that he did a whole forward on it about what happened somebody like came after him and i think in person because they were at a festival or something i have to re-listen to it but it was just the funniest thing i'm thinking who the fuck like you're gonna have bad reviews come on i mean you're not gonna go after somebody and get mad at some guys one person's opinion of your film and just cry about it (laughs) that makes me want to see it more like that there's a crazy person involved? Hell yeah. That's some art. Well, like, and yeah. especially doing the horror genre. If you're worried about having one bad review, you do something milk toast. You do a, a Hallmark movie or something like that that it's very difficult for people to criticize. You don't go into an inherently controversial. That's I mean, how many movies have we done on this show or we've seen in horror? The merit badge system I always talk about. We're happy we saw it, but we fucking hated the movie. Mm-hmm. I love that part mm-hmm. of horror is. I love that I hate so many of these fucking movies. Yeah, it's it's such a subjective genre, too. Mm-hmm. Fuck off with this noise. We're never doing the Ranger. Quote me on it. Seal of approval. Let's move on. <laughs> Do we care about Kayla and the kid? Do we need that? Should they have died? Do we? Because one of the things that frustrates me, <sighs> Becky doesn't seem to give a fuck about them all the time. There are times where she's like mm-hmm. checking in on them and doing the happy face. But she doesn't care about them, really. And so they don't serve as a constant sense of motivation to her, I feel, at least no. the way it's depicted. They're never a motivation for her. I even said that here because she doesn't, you know, just target the convicts. I feel that her disdain for her her soon-to-be stepmom, never now, oh my God, uh, stepmother and the little boy, she really didn't give a shit. And And even though they covered for her and tried to cover for her, she didn't give a shit about them. She goes and sits with them at the end because they're still there. But if they died, I don't think it would have mattered to her either way. So she probably still wants that with them. Uh, yeah, I don't think she's going to stay with them. So it's not like it's it, those people don't mean anything to her. And this is what makes her separate also from the rest of our femme fatale. Because, yes, like you said, maybe she has empathy for her parents, but she doesn't have empathy for really and her dogs. But no one else. Yeah. These are the, the she, these are the people that she cares about, and that's it. Like she doesn't like she is not an open person. And you know we have we have Ginger who is feeling all kinds of craziness, right? And her sister is really big for her. But you know that there's Ginger, and then we have Julie who's so emotional. 
and actually like you can see parts of them being human again. I never really see Becky and not that Becky isn't human, but I never really see Becky as a redeemable character. So I feel like she's going to get the key and she's just going to go off and do probably go in the same path as these criminals that attacked her family. Yeah. Becky's very much more the anti-hero on every level. Like she's not doing anything unless she's doing it for herself. I actually would have really liked if we're going to go and waste our time with the scene at the cop. I was really hoping that they were going to offer Kayla to take her like, oh, yeah. So you're going to adopt her now and her being too afraid of what she saw Becky do, because I think that would be a very interesting commentary of this person who we rooted for in that scenario. Violence is commendable. But when you see it in any other form of life, I never want to see a little girl who stabs someone in the neck. Like if my daughter saved me by stabbing someone in the neck, I still wouldn't then instantly trust her with my son. Like that's just not the way people are. And I think that to assume that humans are that easily on and off, that doesn't work that way. That's something that always frustrates me in movies. People don't really talk about the nature of the violence like we've talked about. I think that fucking every action movie is horror. I think every tokusatsu series is horror because of the violence that's being perpetuated just because we don't have the Alfred Hitchcock strings in Psycho playing this eerie tone behind it doesn't mean it's any less horrific. And I yeah. think that's something in this where her violence that she perpetuates this is more gruesome than a lot of even Friday the 13th films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, Patreon patrons, you get to see Adrian's bedroom. Oh, oh God, it's the best because, you know, we didn't want to clean anything when he left this morning. This is how he left the house. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, honey. I appreciate you. Meanwhile, I worked from home and did laundry for my whole family. Then my wife's going to come home and have her stressed from day, her day of work. She's going to see me and my little maids out. I said too much. <laughs> To wear well, the skirt. You know, that's so nice. That's so nice. I love that you do that. All to try and get laid. It never happens. Mm. Never happens. You'll get there, sweetie. Don't worry. Like I said, yeah, after my vasectomy, Kaiser Permanente, when, call me back. Take this man's dick. <laughs> so let's keep going. Let's talk about these themes. I left you with a really great talking point of violence. What do you think? Also, would it have helped if the Nazis. You saw their violence, so you see them as a threat because we see this little girl become threatening through her acts of violence, but she's going up against somebody who's basically unopposed because they did a ruse to kill one guy. Really, at this point, this is the violence that we've seen. Strangulation. One guy shot. You don't see the murderer of the kids. It's implied. So again, you're seeing these guys who are supposed to be threatening. You choked one guy who was already in handcuffs. You did a ruse to kill another guy. You killed two kids, which I mean, who can't do that? Think of all the work it takes to keep kids alive. Mm. They practically kill themselves. Yeah. So then you, I'm not really thinking that all that intimidating. By That's this just point. putting the controller down. <laughs> um, okay. It, maybe that was intentional that we don't really see them doing all these acts of violence so that when Becky goes into it, it's more severe. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's pretty PG-13 until Becky starts stabbing people with rulers. And you know, it's like, Thoughts like that are what make that make me want this to be a trilogy. I want to see what Becky evolves into. I want to see the second chapter start with the stepmother saying, I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And where Becky goes, Becky runs away, just keeps honing her skills and just ends up in darker and darker spots. Still maybe searching for what the key's about. I, I would see it. I definitely have interest in seeing that. 
you know she said that she would and i quote a hundred percent do a sequel and they need to make it happen i want enough people to see this to permit that sequel to happen what about this she's just been gouging eyes between the first and second one so kayla did adopt her and she's like look if i have one more fucking lawsuit about some kid getting gouged with a key I'm, I'm just going to execute myself. If I didn't invest in eye patches, I'd be broke. <laughs> gotcha. And then the third one, you find out the key unlocks some like high tech vault that has cybernetic eyes and she makes everyone whole again. <laughs> or just unlocks her heart. You know, it just Aww. it's the feelings. That's what it was. That's the white supremacists were actually looking to bring everyone together. The no. heart of a little girl yes. caged in a rib cage. <laughs> heart of a child right. adrian why is this a femme fatale why is becky a femme fatale i'm not gonna say this that sounds like i'm objectifying her not doing that well i i touched on it a little bit but i'll just read some of my my spiel becky is clearly murderous she mostly kills people who are evading her home shooting her dog killing her father but it is until we see how becky kills apex at the end that we realize that she's not just out for vengeance because he's showing mercy to her she doesn't show mercy to him. Yeah. So she's callously killing him. And I would say that she's, again, she's definitely more volatile and brutal than Ginger, Dawn, obviously Dawn, uh, <laughs> Elizabeth and Julie. But I did compare her to Dawn because Dawn is born with her issue, right? Yeah. With her toothy vagina. So is Becky. But, you know, Don doesn't specifically target anyone except for her brother, whereas Becky targets everybody in the film. And she even targets her stepmom in such a way that she's just a complete brat and has no like I could see if it was just the woman there and she's being bratty. But the little boy and her behavior. And I realize this is how children behave. They don't they're not fully cognizant. The brains are still developing. They don't. This is how they work. Right. They're very yeah. selfish. And so we all feel like that's that what makes moment. her even worse. Yeah. They, that's what makes her even worse because she doesn't have the sensibilities of an adult to realize when something is wrong. Like she could have let Apex walk away. She doesn't know what he did to those kids. Right. But then also she doesn't know that he's tried to help Kayla and Ty. Like, exactly. Yeah, she completely happens outside of her frame of reference. So all she sees is him having a squabble with Dominic the donkey. The Italian Christmas donkey. You know, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> really hard to have a guy be intimidating with. In the back of my fucking brain. Yeah. So, I mean. The last time she saw him, he tossed her on the ground and punched her dog in the face. Like I said, it's like she had every right to be like, fuck that dude. Yeah. Yeah. I truly think that that it's just funny because we are informed and she's not. It's like, oh, but I, I, I didn't even feel bad for him. Honestly, that was the... He's still a kid killer. Yeah, exactly my point. The guy strangled two kids. He, 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 he was there with the people that were going to murder your entire family over a key. But like, it's he's still there, guilty by association. Her whole shtick is that she's out for vengeance. But what is she gaining vengeance on him when he's done nothing specifically to her except, you know, throw her on the floor? Punched her dog. How, yeah, I punch you tell dog. me some honky motherfucker goes into a park and punches Stella, and you're not gonna fucking get. Oh that my god, deal. I will fucking rip your throat out with my Anyone teeth. Deal. Anyone ever touched hand <laughs> banana, dude? Oh, they do. They'd be in pieces. It, it, it's I, it's it, true. But I I do <laughs> see what you're saying. It, it, clearly, this is this is meant to be like an unearthing of what's there. 
right? Yeah, I, the, the, I don't think her actions after her father is killed is to, are to save, specifically save these people. No. Like, she doesn't give a fuck about her stepmom and little boy. So. She's much more concerned about the revenge for her dad than she is for saving those people. And I think that, again, that could be portrayed a lot better when it comes to the way that she's not necessarily. I don't think that there's an issue of her acting. I think it's a way of, it's of editing. It's of story structure. There are better ways to evoke. You guys are just a, a third party beneficiary to my contract of revenge, because I, I definitely agree. This is not a character who's meant to be salt, like sugary sweet, who suddenly becomes murderous and she breaks. This is just mm-hmm. a breaking point. But this is not a redefinition of the character. Someone just turned the on switch. They flipped yeah. the on switch. I think that she had the capacity for brutality. I think all of us do in a certain degree. But hers, I think, is much more than the average person. So I think she's a femme fatale who just found the right circumstance. In movies, so often things are convenient. Oh, it's just so convenient it happens to this person. That's what this is. It's conveniently, it happened to the one person who's been waiting for the opportunity to stab a neck. Exactly. Literally. It. it- it's the the gun owner waiting for someone to break in. It was literally the spider waiting for the bug to land in the web. The guy She's who's always, always wearing the gun on his hip at Walmart uh-huh. sees a fella <laughs> from across. Hey, yeah! <laughs> Think of how many Smith and Wessons were sold under the guise of that happening. Uh, oh, rare it is that it actually three. Come. Hey, I pulled out my firearm this week because I thought somebody was breaking into my daughter's bedroom window. That was fun. So I can't criticize boy. too much. Oh, yeah. I went full on like SWAT too. I was like, good day. And it was nothing. It was the wind blowing the sensor on the alarm. So that was fun. Your boy hasn't slept. A little wired. Don't know if you could tell. Mm. The goji berries, the aforementioned goji berries, get your boy through better than the coffee. Oh, highly recommend. Chinese market. Check those out. Cheap. So, Adrian, you want to take us home? Tonight. Uh, yeah. I don't want to stand up well, yeah, so this was Becky. So where can we find uh, our beautiful designs that Shit. our lovely Adam? I forgot that oh. we were also ranking oh, yeah, them. We kind of impliedly compared, but how would we rank her compared to the other femme fatales? That's my bad. Oh, okay. We are ranking them. I would say, I, I'm always going to put Julie first. So Julie, Elizabeth, Ginger, Becky, Don. <laughs> Don is never going to win. You put Frank at the top and then you put Julie down and I agree. Okay. Um, um, hmm. I'm going. I'm going. Uh. Actually, no, I put her above Ginger because with, even without the killer instinct, she's still got the killer. You know what I mean? She, she doesn't have any of the benefits of being a Herculean, hairless, sexy. Uh, so, yeah, ape. I can yeah. see that. I mean, it goes for me, it goes Elizabeth, then Becky, then Julie, then Ginger, and then Dawn just watching. There you go. I agree yeah. with that. I just feel Becky is like she deserves that spot up there for me because she's just a little girl and she doesn't have uh, the the powers of super crack and zombie <laughs> viruses and everything. And she she. She runs over a motherfucker's face with a lawnmower. And yeah, oh, yeah I forgot to that mention that. So that was so great. Like, oh, that's fun. The extra like couple frames on it, just like gooping blood was very fun. It would have been amazing if she just wrote a segue over his face like Paul Blart style. <laughs> You're the guy who invented those died on one. Oh, no. Off a fucking cliff. Oh, that was You're interesting. You're kidding. Yeah, they had a lawsuit going on against Hoverboard for stealing their technology at the time. And so I was watching because I'm, you know, I'm an attorney. I like this stupid shit. And oh. then all of a sudden I, I see the guy. And, yep. 
Bye bye. <laughs> that was a great segue into some promotional plugs, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll so where there. can we find our beautiful designs that Adam so graciously uh, does and posts and whatever? That would be over at slasherspod.redbubble.com. I love your like your like sex worker voice when you oh, say that. You know, I gotta I know, make it. it so I, I gotta give it the appeal. <laughs> okay, and then uh, so where can we like subscribe, like, whatever, Jake? But fucking everywhere. Because Ooh. if you're listening to this podcast, you know what podcasts are. You know how to find them. But here's the thing. Teach the uninformed, the uninitiated. Teach your grandma how to find our podcast because she needs it in her soul and her butthole. So you can send her over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, TuneIn, Pandora. I can keep going on. Podbay, Podtail. What's a Podtail? Who came up with that terrible name? I don't know, but we're ranked in the top 5%. So thank you very much fuckers but find us anywhere you can write us reviews you can leave us little metadata is the thing interaction is the thing when you comment i will reply to you because the exchange helps us so if you volley to me i will volley back so if you say things that aren't outright inflammatory i will engage you because it helps me so help me help you by helping me okay thank you like that's why we do all these pp caca comments just back and forth <laughs> it's just to help the numbers guys you know so pp caca <laughs> fart on for us and the numbers keep on farting in the free world mm. okay and uh where can we find both of you lovely gentlemen on social media i predominantly run the slashers pod on everything but i also have my own instagram Gacy Jones, which I actually made a meme for the first time in a long time, separate and apart from Slasher's Pod, because I didn't want to hurt Adam's feelings when I made fun of the Mortal Kombat trailer. You can check that out. Some good stuff. Some JCVD. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Adam. Yeah, you can find me over on Instagram at otherboy underscore art. Been posting some stuff on there. Uh, Some more artwork coming. So uh, stay tuned. And you guys can find me on Instagram, uh, pathologically ADE. And so I guess this is uh, Slasher saying good night and good day. Nope, still not. That's not that. Ah, it's, it's goodbye and good day. You know, if she keeps doing it, it's going to be coming because just like. It's getting really dark out. So I just keep thinking it's night. I'm sorry. Okay. So on behalf, uh, I'm going to pause. So on behalf of Adam and our lovely Jake, this is Adrian saying goodbye and good day. Now, am I not lovely? I know, but we got to make sure that we still love Jake and we're not just taking his show over. (laughs) You're not taking. You're being gifted with flattery. (laughs) 